0: Today, we're speaking with James Cannings. Hey, James.
1: Hey, Ben. Great to be here.
0: It's great to have you on the show, James. James is the Chief Sustainability Officer at MSQ. Um, he's working with clients on lower carbon digital platforms and developing those platforms and we'll talk also about msq and all the things that that organization's doing to be a carbon negative organization and helping other companies with their own low carbon business initiatives but before we get there james tell us a little bit about your career
1: I will do that as briefly as I can. My my CV is is, is pretty short. I've had I've had one job, um, and it's nothing to do with sustainability really. I I founded uh, an agency called MMT Digital uh, with my buddy Ben, uh, Ben Rudman, who I've known since I was six weeks old. We grew up together and when we came out of university in 1999, um, I'm a computer scientist, Ben was a business guy and we we founded what kind of became a fairly technical uh, digital agency um, and, you know, through that, you know, lots of different role, roles, you know, technical and agile delivery and you know, just all the kind of commercial stuff that goes with growing an agency and then very long story short, but at around about our 20th anniversary, just to kind of explain how I got from that to Chief Sustainability Officer. Um, so around about 2018, 2019, Um, was our 20th anniversary and I think like lots of people um, you know Ben and I were growing a business but we were having conversations around well you know there's got to be more to life than you know how big can we grow the business and you know measure our success by you know revenue and EBITDA And, um, and so I said look I'll go and measure our carbon footprint you know and I'll go and um create a path to carbon neutrality. Net zero wasn't even a term back then, but people might remember there were lots of companies and still are sort of saying, oh, we're going to get to carbon neutral in five years time or some other timeframe. And I honestly thought I was going to spend an afternoon uh, in Google and uh, going, you know, banging in some numbers. And, and it really that was the start of a journey that I'm, I'm still on, you know, three, four years later, uh, when I realized just how hard, particularly for SMEs, it is, you know, it's a minefield of terminology, scope one, two, three, the 15 categories of scope three, the calculators are all over the place. Um, you know, people running SMEs aren't going to read 200 page PDF documents on the greenhouse gas protocol. Um, and, and then you've got to learn about the offset markets and the difference between that and permanent carbon capture and tree planting. And it's just overwhelming. But luckily, I, you know, I just kind of persevered and developed my own tools and knowledge and then um, carved out a niche really within our parent company so msq bought uh, my agency um, a few years ago and you know i don't think my job existed in, in a company our size 10 years ago msq's a thousand people but That's relatively small to have a chief sustainability officer, Um, but yeah, just kind of from that. So so let's
0: talk a little bit about that. I mean, MSQ is a relatively young firm. It's really one of the more innovative marketing agencies now in the world, uh, delivering solutions, really, uh, truly integrated, broad-based marketing communications and business, business solutions. Tell me a little bit about how the Chief Sustainability Officer got shaped and and the types of stuff you're working on
1: initially there's kind of two pillars to what i'm working on and it really came out of the first one and and the first was like all companies you know we you know it became increasingly aware that the having a path to net zero and understanding what that means it was becoming more and more important you know sustainability in the broadest sense was always important but with a particular as a people business you know i think a lot of agencies are relatively mature in terms of diversity and inclusion and ethics and so you know all of that sort of stuff but the environmental sustainability sustainability piece, you know, like lots of SMEs, again, we were kind of lagging behind. And because I'd done this work at MMT, at that point, MMT was a carbon negative organization. We'd measured our footprint. We'd done a lot of avoidance offsetting and we were starting to put some good reduction strategies in place. It was relatively easy to sort of pick that up and roll it out across the MSQ agencies. You know, that that was a quick win. How can we go carbon negative? How can we start to reduce our carbon footprint and put our net zero targets in? And that was kind of pillar one. You know, keeping our house in order, really. There's, and there's a lot that goes into that, you know, the, to be carbon negative, to have a net zero strategy, um, formal science-based targets. Um, we've got you know, the military pledge, lots of good things that we can do. And that adds huge value, of course, you know, more and more to get through procurement, to get through the door, to supply big companies. You know, there's, there's this kind of commercial win-win with what I do that perhaps didn't exist 10 years ago, which is why my job does exist. Um, that in itself has huge value. But then the the other pillar and the other focus for my work is, um, of course, around what is our customer proposition or how do we layer environmental sustainability into our customer proposition? And
0: I'm really interested in that, James, because you come from a digital background. So uh, how are you bringing those two worlds together?
1: Uh, well, I mean, that's, that's a great question. I mean, you know, across the, the sort of 10 or so agencies in MSQ, um, you know, we, we cover a broad range of services for, uh, a, a, I guess for a CM, CMO primarily, um, MMT, perhaps more towards the CIO. So that is digital tech websites, apps, but it's off, it's offline marketing as well as advertising, you know, media kind of everything. And, my my role is essentially to help position MSQ as global leaders in environmentally sustainable marketing, like w- w- whatever that means. And what what we're doing essentially across each of those MSQ agencies is looking at what that means in the context of what that agency delivers. So for MMT, that's how can we build and why should we build you know, lower carbon websites and apps. Um, for you know for other agencies, it's how can we think about designing more environmentally sustainable sustainable packaging. Um, For others, it's, you know, how can we, you know, look at low carbon film shoots and mitigate that and and reduce the digital footprint of those streaming adverts. So it's really just kind of, you know, applying some of what I've learned in terms of how you measure some of these things um, into the sort of specific and existing proposition that these that the agencies have, and then just putting that different lens on it. But I think the two pillars go hand in hand, we can't do that or, or talk to our clients about it from a position of authority, regardless of the impact that might have, if if we haven't got our own house in order. So the, the yeah. two strategies are, are really important.
0: No, I, I find it really interesting. I did a doctorate in uh, machine learning a couple years ago. And one of the things that I did not really go into tremendous depth in, in my, in my PhD was an area of research that's that probably deserves a lot more work, which is the carbon impact of machine learning. And, you know, there was at the time when I wrote, there were maybe two or three papers that had been written about it. And uh, it it was daunting, because the way that the models are written now to apply really some of the I mean, I wouldn't say leading edge machine learning, but kind of the commercial grade machine learning is really kind of inefficient and, and has a huge carbon footprint. So there, there definitely is a challenge there that we have to kind of wrestle with.
1: Uh, massively. Uh, we could probably spin off into it. My, my degree actually was originally in computer science and cybernetics. So we could probably uh, spin off for far too long <laughs> going into the, the depths of that. Um, but, you know, absolutely. Look, I think there are some headline stats that that bounce around, um, you know, the Internet having a larger carbon footprint than the airline industry. Um but it's nuanced in that and whether you're talking about ai and machine learning or websites or you know or, or technologies you know such as the zoom call that we're sat on right now i think you know it's a, it's a comparison that you can make but it's very different and, and there's a few reasons for the differences one is the profile of the footprint so the airline industry is 30 or 40 million flights and the internet is is four and a half billion people who have access to it making trillions of, of interactions so therefore, that profile makes it very different because n- no single company, unlike an airline, is ne- is potentially going to have a particularly big, meaningful impact on that. So we have to understand how we kind of drive systemic change um, and understand the benefits of reducing your digital footprint, because they're not actually necessarily about reducing your carbon footprint in a meaningful way. Like, for example, if a company has a top 20 things that they should look at to reduce their carbon footprint today, your digital footprint isn't going to
0: get not gonna on that be list. The top one. But,
1: but we can talk about why, you know, maybe get into why it's compelling to do it. Um, yeah. but the other big important factor, and it depends what your machine learning is doing or anything's doing, is, is that of course on you can draw a spectrum and a digital footprint somewhere on that spectrum will have an offline carbon benefit. Mm. Right. So, and the obvious example is this Zoom call that we're sat on right now. It's got quite a high digital carbon footprint. But we know from our data over COVID uh, in MSQ and, and globally that the impact of technologies like this, you know, has an enormous benefit to offline carbon footprints because we we we, we travel less. And then, right. and the other end of the spectrum, you've got Netflix, you've got TikTok, you've got all sorts of things with big digital footprints or digital advertising for for brand products to pull mm-hmm. it into an MSQ example, you know, and, and those. You know the benefits there are, are very different and you have to start to think about you know where where this where you sit on that on that digital footprint and how you reduce it but also perhaps how you tell consumers about the the offline benefit um so it's a, it's just a really really interesting area it's interesting to hear that there were only a couple of papers written when you were looking at it i still think yeah. it's quite embryonic and and i do a lot of talks very specifically on digital footprints um, because well, it's, it's, it's of-
0: an uncomfortable discussion because uh, I don't know if the tech industry feels ready to fully embrace the, the fact that they use so much energy. I mean, you really have to get in a specific room with sp- certain people to have that honest conversation. And, you know, clearly companies like Google and Facebook and Microsoft Understand it very clearly, you know, in the sense that the challenge that they have for um, all of this cloud computing elements are it's just a it's massive, right? It's a real challenge for them on on how to manage that.
1: It, it is. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you can read different statistics on it, but potentially it's not as much about the crunching that goes on at the data center as people think. Some, some algorithms have that more at like 10, 20%. I mean, fine. If you've got a big, you know, machine learning kind of heavy duty crunching, that might be different, but actually when you think about what we're talking about, when we talk about the carbon footprint, of the internet, it's, it's a bit about data centers, but actually mostly it's about all of that data moving around the planet. So if you think about loading a, a Facebook page in the UK, that's data that's traveling through yeah. fiber optic networks, 4G, 5G satellites bouncing around the place. And when you, it, it's when you add up all those trillions of interactions, um, it doesn't magically arrive at its destination, it's the data transfer. Yeah. Um, but just on that point, just to, just to finish on it, just to kind of bring it back to a kind of simple explanation of, of how you sell it and why it's a great thing to do, um, an example that most people are aware of is Amazon OneClick, right? We all use Amazon probably, you know, too much and I'm not holding them up as, you know, bastions of great carbon footprint. I'm sure, you know, we all order far too much stuff, but Amazon OneClick, been around for years, right? And in our, in our world of marketing, you know, that's like the ultimate user experience. Like, wow, these guys turned five steps into one. Everybody's heard about Amazon OneClick. Mm-hmm. Now, Amazon for at least a decade have also been talking to us about how important it is to have very fast, responsive, lightweight page loads, right? They had all that data on every hundredth of a second less the page load is, you know, we make, you know, X amount more money, right? Crazy. Yep. Now, both of those two things are very different. One is a very simple user experience, and one is a very fast page load time. And both of those drive conversions and improve the digital experience. Both of those are an absolute masterclass in digital carbon footprint reduction, right? But we, yeah. but we don't look at it through that lens. It's not talked about through those lenses. lens. Yeah. And that's, that's the way I try and sort of communicate. No, I,
0: I really like that. That's a really thoughtful way of, of thinking about it and certainly a dimension in the conversation that's really important to keep in mind. But when, when you're out there, James, talking to all of the different clients that MSQ has, what are the key topics on their mind and how are they getting on, getting on on the sustainability topic?
1: You know, it, it's that's a that's a great question. I mean, certainly, you know, with my job floating across at MSQ, I'm not as actively engaged directly with the MSQ clients, but mm-hmm. I do work very closely with our new business teams, for whom being able to talk about this stuff is usually important. And what I can, what is certainly noticeable, um, is that, you know. Every single bit of new business, every single pitch we are responding to has a sustainability element. Like everybody's asking for it. Like that's universal. There's almost no pitch where they don't want to know about your own sustainability credentials. And it's primarily that, you know, so the work that we do our net zero journey, our carbon negative status, our million tree pledge, um, all of the things that we do is hugely important. Those are really important assets because so I guess that what I'm saying, seeing at the moment is the primary driver is of the large organizations that we work on. They have net zero targets more and more or science-based targets. Um, and they know that includes their scope three. So that includes their supply chain and they know they're not gonna hit those targets unless they start to make sure that their suppliers go on that journey. And it's this that's lovely great. sort of cascade. So, of effect. So
0: that, that's really interesting. So So it has become really a pillar of the procurement process, the pitch process
1: absolutely you know and i'd like to see it become even more kind of black and white pass fail you know if you don't have science based targets you you can't work for us it's not quite there yet it's 5% 10% Um, I'd like, you know, I'd like to see that, you know, pushed on a bit more, but it's certainly a factor. Um, And so that that's particularly important. I'd say on the on the on the other side of things, the digital footprint side, that's probably a layer at the moment that we're adding on as a sort of, you know, a, a value add, because I do think it's quite embryonic. A lot of our clients aren't actually yet thinking about it, so they're not quite there yet in terms of saying you know oh well you know we want this website we want this marketing campaign but you know we want to sort of think about the digital footprint of that campaign and the impact um but certainly when we talk about it it's of it's of great interest and i think this this stuff is is going to get bigger and bigger over the next few years
0: That's great. Well, let's change gears a little bit. Uh, And I don't want to dwell really in in the early phases of the pandemic, but I I am curious because, James, I love the way your brain works and how you're describing these things. What are some of the learnings that you're taking away from this pandemic period that we can apply to some of the sustainability issues that we're looking at now?
1: I mean, it's, you know, it's from a sort of sustainability point of view, and from a digital transformation within large organizations point of view, it has been, you know, and I don't want to kind of get over overexcited about it, because obviously, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't wish it on the world. And it's been incredibly tough for, for a lot of people and continues to be tough. But from an environmental sustainability point of view, it has been an incredible, you know, experiment. Um, so f- from that point of view, Um, you know if I just take MSQ's own footprint um, because you know and we're a professional services company so it's going to impact different people in different ways but Mm -hmm. we saw a complete collapse in our uh, uh, emissions of around about 50 percent um, all of course you know driven by by business commuting and, and travel collapsing we saw an uptick of around about nine percent because we also track home worker emissions so of course you've got to you can't just pat yourself on the back when your offices are shut down if you've got everybody at home what's the incremental impact of that but it certainly doesn't outweigh the travel and then you know again as a professional services company you know that you know, we weren't, you know, hugely impacted from a revenue point of view. That wasn't a 50% collapse in footprint because our, you know, company was shrinking. In fact, you know, we, we, you know, we traded very well over the over the pandemic. Um, and so, what we need to do is kind of carry that data through. And I feel like my job at, at MSQ, as we now come out of it isn't to dictate policy on I don't have the power to say, right, you know, we can't fly, we can't do this, we can't do that. You know, there's factors, there's culture, there's mental health, there's the performance of the business. But my job is to throw this into the mix so that we're starting to think about the the the, the, the environmental sustainability benefits. And then finally, on the on the other pillar, you know, There's lots of evidence to show that, you know, there's been this huge exponential growth in digital transformation, which is great because typically there are some huge environmental benefits of those digital transformations and what they're enabling. You know, for example, lots more people using this type of technology, but there are lots and lots more examples. But again, you know, just re emphasizes what I talked about. We still need to be mindful of the carbon footprint of those digital platforms that we're building. And the lovely win wins that I hey, talked about meant. I hope going to will,
0: uh, will those stick? I mean, I, the I guess the big question now is that now we're we're now in 2022, and you know, we we face different challenges, new challenges in the world. But from a pandemic perspective, we're we're coming out of that in some form or fashion. And just be curious to see what what this year looks like. What do you think the key areas of focus will be for the in the sustainability area?
1: Well, I think for me, it's just, you know, and, and the, I mean, I'm in, in a bit of a bubble with it, but it's just gonna be kind of banging the drum and, and making sure that, for example, you know, COP26 wasn't just this big spike and, and that there was a lot of noise and PR and discussion, but now the kind of hard work continues. I think there were a lot of people very concerned that we were gonna have another kind of lost 10 years. So, I mean, many people listen to this, like myself might remember listening to things like Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth, you know, back in sort of whenever that was 2006, 07, 08. And then we had the banking crisis. And the problem was the world went into meltdown. And, and of course, it wasn't top of priority. And we talk about this kind of lost 10 years. And now it's kind of coming back round onto the radar. And I think people like myself were very concerned that, that's gonna happen again. We've had this pandemic, it's gonna cause huge economic problems. And actually so far, it feels like it's had the opposite effect. And I could be wrong here, this is anecdotal and in my bubble, but that it feels like it's brought people closer to humanity's sort of mortality and the fragility of our planet and the environment in which we exist. And so actually it's put even more you know, focus on it. Um, And I think there are these continue to be these huge, the difference between now and 10 years ago, like these, there's huge money really in getting this right, whether you're trying to create the world's first net zero aircraft or, you know, develop permanent carbon capture. I I, I may misquote this because I think it was Warren Buffet recently, but it might have been someone else with a lot of money talking about the fact that they felt the next trillion dollar startup was going to, you know, come, would be an environmental. Business of of some some sort, and and again, you can have a whole other debate about the role of capitalism in its ability to fix the problem that ultimately is created. um But I'm, you know, I am I'm kind of optimistic, particularly yeah, when there's a lot of money I, I to think be made. The, I think the one
0: thing it. that really stands out in this discussion with you, James, is that sustainability has become. A key factor in the interactions and the commercial relations between companies. It's something that is expected to be there now. It has uh, it is a deciding factor in contractual negotiations, and that is, I think, quite telling. And so that that, that really shows. Uh, how this will become more and more important as we build more and more bridges and, and move more and more into areas that will allow us to handle the challenges of meeting a carbon neutral or low carbon uh, solution going forward. James, if someone wanted to reach you to talk to you and about what you guys are working on, where, where can they find you?
1: Uh, but I mean, the best place to find me is on, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter to a lesser degree. I am on that. I need to get better on there, but, but just kind of find me on, on LinkedIn, hunt me out. Uh, the, the other thing I'd love to sort of shout out about is, um, one of the things I did last year, um, or what I'm kind of keen to do is open source everything that I do. So my messaging at MSQ is very much, you know, look at all the great stuff we're doing on our path to net zero here's how you could do it and so uh, last year i launched uh, a free course uh, on the future learn e-learning platform and if people reach out or google it or whatever i can point them in the direction or maybe we can share some links Um, there's a free course um, titled very simply you know how to how to measure reduce and offset your company's carbon footprint is very practical tactical and it uses and steps people through all of the tools everything that i've learned um over you know over the last four or five years and all of the tools that we use at msq particularly aimed at smes we've got 1200 companies from all over the world enrolled on that um, already it's proving really popular so that's kind of open sourcing that area so if you're an sme listening to this that's an amazing resource if you're a big company listening to this it's quite a useful resource for the smes on your supply chain um, instead of just beating them up and saying, you know, you've got to sort this out. And then on the on the digital footprint side of things, uh, I I'm also the co-chair of the BEMA Sustainability Council. And last year we launched a, a website, a low carbon website called The Green Pages, which is a curated set of resources. Uh, for any digital team tech creative infrastructure content media advertising um, to help them think about measure and build lower carbon digital solutions so um yeah i, I please do reach out and grab me but i'm you know I, msq can't save the world obviously msq can't solve the world's digital carbon footprint problem
0: so i've always been keen to open source uh james it's been great talking to you today we've been chatting with james cannings he- He is the chief sustainability officer at one of the most innovative marketing agencies in the world MSQ and he's been working with them to develop lower carbon digital platforms for clients as well as work with the MSQ pool of talent and and teams to deliver stronger carbon neutral solutions. As I said you know the incredible thing here is how much carbon, the carbon discussion has become central in in discussions with potential clients going forward. And really, it is going to be part of the way we do business going forward. And James is a great person to chat with on this stuff. So James, thank you so much for being here today. And we look forward to having you back.
1: Thanks, Ben. Ben, it's been a great pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thank
0: you.